1: Have built their house upon the sand. You sing these hymns together. You praise the Lord together. You shout hallelujah. You have a great time. You understand scripture. You read the word of God. When the big storm comes next week, your house is destroyed. You're in a mess. You're running around like a chicken with his head cut off because you were only pretending. Your house was built upon sand, not the rock of Jesus Christ. You say you're a Christian,
0: but your life shows you're not. Because you're not trusting in God. You need to make sure that you actually live out the faith you claim in Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Dave is going to show you examples from the book of John of the Pharisees, religious people who didn't have a real relationship with God. Religion is worthless unless you have the relationship too. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 8 as he continues his message, A Dangerous Spiritual State.
1: You are The man who'd exhibited great faith in God by living in the light of God's promises, even when they weren't quickly fulfilled. He waited and waited and waited. He had a beautiful, beautiful covenant with God. It's called the Abrahamic covenant. A beautiful covenant, which included us. At the end of when it says, and all the world will be blessed by your seed. All the world will be blessed. He was the father of faith. Against every human reason, Abraham followed God because he believed God's word. And what happened when he believed God's word in Genesis 15, chapter 6? It was accounted to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, chapter 6 says, and Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And Paul compares Abraham's faith to our faith in chapter 4 of Romans. We believe Jesus to be the Son of God. We believe Jesus to be God incarnate. And our faith is accounted to us as righteousness. Our faith is accounted to us as righteousness. Despite the fact that they were physically descendants of Abraham, they didn't act like him at all. They didn't act like him at all. He obeyed the voice of God. They disobeyed the voice of God. Jesus says, "Your desire to kill me shows me that you're really not Abraham's children." You're not Abraham's descendants or you wouldn't want to kill me. Instead of heeding to my father's words, you're hostile to me because of his words. And his word has no place in you. His word made no progress in their heart. It made no change in them. They had no room for his word in their lives. Oh, what a dangerous spiritual state. When you don't give room for the word of God in your life, When you don't submit to God and allow him to do the things that he's longing to do in you, the things that he's longing to do in your life and show you and have you accomplish, the things that he wants to bless you with, those 75 blessings that I showed you a couple weeks ago. One commentator said this, quote, Abraham was not their father in a spiritual sense. When messengers from heaven came to Abraham, he received them in Genesis 18. But these genetic descendants of Abraham rejected and sought to kill the one sent from God. Like I said, a dangerous spiritual place to be in. When we disobey the voice of God, when we do not heed to his word in our lives, when we do not apply the word of God to our lives, when our actions are contrary to God's word, you're in a heap of trouble a heap of trouble, especially if you call yourself a Christian. These religious leaders rejected the word Jesus taught them. This proved they were not like Abraham. They were not like him at all. This proves that they did not have freedom that comes from abiding in God's word. Remember what he told them? If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, I love what Spurgeon said on this verse. He said, let's consider several ways that God's word should have a place in the believer's life. I'm going to read this list to you. See if it applies to anybody here. See if it applies to your life. See if it applies. Number one, the word of God ought to have an inward place in your heart. The word of God ought to have a place of high honor in your life. It should have a priority in your life. Above a lot of things, it should be a priority of your life. The word of God ought to have a place of trust in your life. The word of God ought to have a place of rule in your life. The word of God ought to have a place of love in your life. And the word of God ought to have a permanent place in your life. God's word in our lives, we are so blessed to have it in this form. The inerrant word of God no error, infallible word of God before us that he's given to us. Oh my, how many of us, when we have a problem, run to the bookstore, when they used to have them, and run up and down the 565 million aisles of self-help books. There's a self-help book for every single condition out there. When God has given us a self-help book, it's right here. He's given it to every one of us. It's called the Bible. If we would but read it and heed it, it's a self help book. Jesus looked at them and said, Yo, guys, my word has no place in you. What was he saying? You guys want to kill me. You don't even know my word, let alone live it. Your walk doesn't match your talk. You're not living the Word of God. Here you are saying you are God's children and you want to kill me. You don't know what God is saying to you. Is God in you? Can you take that list that Spurgeon gave you and said, yeah, I'm there. How often do I hear God's Word and even consent to God's Word and then respond with arousing, amen, brother, preach it. But do I do as the Word says? Let me give you an example. Someone says to me, Dave, a little heavy, aren't you? Dave, you're kind of fat. <laughs> you need to lose some weight. I say, amen, you're right. I could shed some pounds. But until I start eating less, and start burning off the calories, it'll never happen. I may even have the desire to lose weight and long for the results that losing weight brings. But nothing will happen until I begin my diet and watch my eating. Same with the word of God. You can agree with it all you want, but until you start applying it to your life, your life will not change. We must apply the will of God. We must apply the word of God to our lives. What does James tell us in his wonderful epistle? Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Sometimes when we hear, we get a distorted concept of the truth. Jesus said, to hear and not to do is like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Now, the foolish man may be sitting here today. He may be sitting here beside you. And he's built built his house upon the sand. And you come in here. You gather together. You're all together in one place. Some of you have built your house upon the foundation, the rock of Jesus Christ. Others have built their house upon the sand. You sing these hymns together. You praise the Lord together. You shout hallelujah. You have a great time. You understand scripture. You read the word of God. But when the big storm comes next week, your house is destroyed. You're in a mess. You're running around like a chicken with its head cut off because you were only pretending. Your house was built upon sand, not the rock of Jesus Christ. You say you're a Christian, but your life shows you're not because you're not trusting in God. Now, we never ever want to minimize anybody's problems. That's not our point. And life hurts. Life is vicious. It'll swallow you up if you're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God. If you're not rooted and grounded and solid on the rock of Jesus Christ, life will swallow you up. Yes, life hurts. Yes, we hurt physically, but something happens in our heart and it doesn't change because Christ is there. Christ is there. You might be surrounded by four walls. You might even have a roof over your head and feel so cozy and secure. But if you're not trusting in Jesus Christ, if you're only mouthing words, you're in a dangerous spiritual place. A dangerous spiritual place. It's a sense of false security. I come to church, I listen to what the pastor says, I laugh at his jokes. Good job. I read my Bible regularly, I feel cozy, I feel secure. If I'm not obeying the scripture, putting in the practice, ah, ah, God understands. Really? Let me know how it works out for you. (laughs) Paul said, let a man examine himself, for if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged by God. Go over the sayings of Jesus. Look at the Beatitudes. Do they describe your true attitude or your desires? How does your light shine? Am I trusting in Christ completely for everything? Am I trusting in Christ for my righteous standing in God? Where's my treasure? What are the motives you do for praying? What are the motives you have for fasting? What are the motives you have for coming here? Do I worry or do I trust in the Father? Am I guilty of judging others? Am I doing for others? Am I helping people out? These men, these religious leaders in chapter 8, were relying on one thing and one thing only to get them into heaven: their heritage. They were Jews. Oh, I'm a Jew. I'm there. Not quite. Hold on to that thought. We're the seed of Abraham. They thought this was a privilege. They thought that this made them God's children. Let me tell you again that religious privilege does not guarantee a right attitude with God. Neither does religious observation make one sensitive to the things of God. Some of you will go home today thinking, I went to church. Things are going to be pretty good now for a while. I went to church. Many think that religious activities guarantee them a right attitude. This is called self-deception. This is called self-deception. Let me read from you in Matthew's wonderful gospel when he writes Jesus' words in Matthew 7, verse 21. Jesus says these words that really cut to the quick of my heart. And I'm really sorrowful for anyone who has this happen to them. And it really grieves my heart if someone I know might hear these words. And I don't want any of you ever to have to hear these horrible words of Jesus. Yes, I'm saying it. Horrible words of Jesus. In verse 21 of chapter 7, Jesus is speaking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, we have prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, have done many wonders in your name, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Horrible words that anyone might hear. If you're in this dangerous spiritual place, if you're playing church, You're in a dangerous spiritual place, a dangerous spiritual place. What causes self-deception? The false doctrine of self-assurance. If you live for activities, in other words, you're works-oriented, thinking, well, you know what? I'll do good. God will make me better. I'll do this, and God will love me more. I'll do this, and God will think I'm great. God will do that. No, 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 no. This is dangerous. I was raised in a church. My parents are Christian. I don't have to worry about that. no. This is dangerous. When we deny the word of God as the main source of what God would have us do, we're in a dangerous spiritual state. When we look to what men say rather than what God says in his word, when we look to the writings of men for guidance other than the scriptures for guidance, we're in a dangerous spiritual place. We deceive ourselves. Even good things can become dangerous if abused. Your church membership and family connections Do not make you a true child of God. People can be doing religious activities, but might not be doing God's will. Dangerous spiritual place. Dangerous spiritual place. Dangerous spiritual place. So what matters? The one thing that matters, the only thing that matters is our relationship to Jesus Christ. If you're abiding in Christ... If you are abiding in Christ, if you remain there, remember the word abiding, remain, cling to, still there, abiding. You're abiding in Christ. I don't ever want to move from this position in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. He is my King. And he's even got, made me call him friend. I don't want to move from this position. I want to always be here. I want to abide in Christ. You never want to hear the words, I never knew you. But, 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 I did all these things. I gave to the church. I helped out the poor. I went over to the nursing homes and, and sang songs with them. And, you know, I did all these things for you. But your heart wasn't in it. Your heart wasn't towards me. You were doing them for you because you thought by doing them, you would get to me. Depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, ouch, ouch. God doesn't want your sacrifice. He doesn't want your offering. What does he want? He wants a broken and contrite heart. This I will not despise. He wants someone to come to him in a true repentance, in a true form and say, Lord, you're him. You're the one. I don't want anyone else. And I will place nothing before you. Jesus said to the guys, I know you're Abraham's seed, but you're not Abraham's children. If you were Abraham's children, you would act like Abraham, having faith. Instead, You want to kill me because my word has no place in you. I want to make a point here before we close. Abraham's seed and Abraham's children are two different things. They are different entities. Let me try to clear this up. And it's extremely important that you understand this, especially when you're looking at end times prophecy. The term Abraham's seed refers to the physical offspring of Abraham, the Jews. They are physically related to Abraham from his seed. Isaac, the son of the promise. Isaac and his seed all the way down. Jacob and follow the lying down. They are physically related to him. They are the children of Israel. Abraham's children, in this sense, refers to all who will believe in God, all who have placed their faith in God through Jesus Christ. You can read about that in Romans 4. Abraham becomes the father of our faith because he believed and it was accounted to him as righteousness, and we believe in Christ, and it's accounted to us on righteousness. Failure to understand this point will cause confusion when people tell you that the church is equivalent to Israel. The promises of the Old Testament do not speak of a literal, physical restoration of Israel, but to the church. This is dangerous. This is dangerous. Israel must go through the tribulation. The tribulation. Israel must go through the tribulation. The church will be pulled out before that in the rapture. There's a difference between the two. The promises of the Old Testament, they say, do not speak of a physical restoration of Israel, only to the church. This is a dangerous spiritual place. Don't get confused. Jesus said to them, yeah, I know you're Jews. I know you were born physically to the house of Abraham. I know that. You're a child of the nation of Israel, but you are not Abraham's children because you don't believe in me. Are you a child of God today? Do you know who you are? you know who you're trusting in? If you're trusting in anything else other than Jesus Christ, my friends, you are in a dangerous spiritual place. Paul writes to another pastor in his pastoral epistles. He writes to Pastor Titus. And he says these things in Titus 1, verses 10 through 16. I'm going to read these to you. It applies to what we're talking about. Titus 1, verse 10. For there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things that they ought not for the sake of the dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans always are liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons." This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. That they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and their conscience are defiled. And here we go. They profess to know God. But in the works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Titus was some bad dudes. He was dealing with some people who said were Christians, but they weren't acting like Christians. They were acting in an abominable manner. They were acting in an untrusted manner. Their profession was all in order, but in works they denied him. In other words, their walk didn't match their talk. There was a difference. Look how they live. You know, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for these very things. These are strong words, and Paul means it. These difficult people probably intended to have a higher spirituality than others. Have you ever met somebody who thought they were so higher spiritual than you? Walked around and looked down upon you, thinking you will never attain their spirituality? I'd be careful of that person. I'd be real careful of that person. Paul saw right through the spiritual facade, and he wanted to tell Titus to see through it also. The word abominable has the idea of polluted by idolatry. Idolatry. What is idolatry? Anything that comes between you and Christ. Anything that becomes you and God, that's idolatry. And good things, parents, children, spouses, house, job, But if it comes between you and the Lord, it's idolatry. If you value that more than you do your relationship with the Lord, that's called idolatry. I'm sorry. That's what the Bible says. The word disqualified is the ancient Greek word adokimus. Adokimus. And it was used in many different ways. And I like the way it was used. It was described as a counterfeit coin. It was used to describe a cowardly soldier who failed in battle. It was used to describe a candidate rejected for elected office. It was used of a stone rejected by the builders. If a stone had a bad flaw in it, they marked it with a capital A for adekomos and set it aside. Remember, Jesus was the chief cornerstone who they laid aside, who they put a layer A on it and laid it aside as counterfeit. They didn't realize that he was true cornerstone of the church. What a dangerous place to be. Don't be like the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Don't be like those religious leaders. Don't be a counterfeit. Don't be a counterfeit Christian. All of us want to win the world for Christ. All of us want to go out and obey the Great Commission. We want to win the world from Christ. But is your lifestyle being shown out there winning souls to Christ? Or is it driving them away? Can there... People tell a difference between you and the world. You know the old saying, if you're on trial for Christianity, for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Think about it. Don't be a counterfeit. Don't be a counterfeit. Know God's word Know your place in God's family. Know who you are. Know where you're going. Know the things that are important to you in Jesus Christ. Know what you have been giving by the cross. If you don't realize it, if you don't know it, come to the cross. Come back to the cross. Confess, repent, and move on. Confess, repent, and move on. He told the Church of Ephesus, You've lost your first love, but do your first works. What were their first works? What is the will of the Father? Believe. Believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in Him whom God sent. That's the message, folks. Don't be in this dangerous spiritual state. Don't be in this limbo state. Well, you know, I'm a Christian, but it's okay to do this and that and the other. We only have you checked with God. What are people saying about your life? Don't be a counterfeit You are sure hope.
0: The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening. You realized that you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.